51, 11 through 18 will be our text this morning. Very thankful to be in God's house and for those who could be here, have several out um, this morning that we've prayed for already and want to remember them as we uh, open up God's word this morning and having some contact problems. So if you're going to zone out during the sermon, this is a good one. I may not be able to see you, <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm just hoping I'll be able to, to read well enough um, struggling this morning. I don't know if it's allergies or what's going on, but my contacts are giving me trouble. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, and I'll begin reading with uh, verse 11. It says, Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. This thou knowest that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phagalus and Hermogenes. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesephorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. And how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. So uh, as we continue our study here in Second Timothy, remember uh, we began um, the first seven verses talking about the spirit of fear and then our alternatives to that, the resources that we have to battle fear. Then we kind of turned to the word ashamed. We talked about how that the gospel itself is nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, in verse 8, we talked about how he said, Be thou, not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but rather be partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of his word. And we talked about then verses 9 and 10, he talks a little bit about that salvation that he says you're not to be ashamed of, that gospel that you're not to be ashamed of, how that just the amazing truth that when we talk about our own salvation, we have to think about before time, before the world was, before the world even began, that at that moment Christ was given a people, that, that God chose a definite amount and he gave them to his son. Uh, and that, that it's just amazing to think about that our small little tiny existence in the span of eternity, that we were in the mind of God before anything was even created. So he said, that's where you have to start. And then it goes all the way through, and he says, and all that life and immortality is brought to light through the gospel. And so all of that that was planned, and then Christ came and he paid the price, atonement was made, all of that is then applied to us by the Holy Spirit in a real way that we then become aware of, of who God is and that we are sinners. You know, it's, it's an amazing thing, I, you know, for those of us who are born again, who are believers in Jesus Christ, who have been regenerated and converted by the Holy Spirit, uh, for all of us, it's an amazing thing to think about of what all had to take place for us to be restored to fellowship 
to God. I mean, you go all the way, just the history of redemption itself. Go all the way back, and he gives us just a two-verse summary. <laughs> That's amazing, isn't it? That just two verses, he says, just think about all of these things. Is that anything to be ashamed of? Absolutely, it's not. Uh, but what an amazing thing that uh, even sinners like us can be saved uh, because of the work that Christ has done. And so he, he sums that up in verse 9 and 10 that it's not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. That's not a real popular gospel anymore. Um, some people give that lip service. They say, well, it's not of works except this or that. Or it's not of works, but you do have to do something. It's not, but we believe it's really not of works. It's just not of works, period. There's nothing that we do, but it's according to his purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, and then that's made manifest to us, and, and what an amazing time that is. Do you remember that experience in your life? If you're a believer here today, do you remember that experience in your life, the first time that God really showed you your own sin, when he said, you know what, you're a sinner, and the Spirit, the Spirit convicted you of sin, and when you're really truly convicted of sin, did you know there's only one place that we can turn? There's only one place that we can go? There's not multiple answers to that problem. The only answer to that is Jesus Christ. And so then the Spirit not only convicts us of our sin, but then he exalts Christ and he says, this is the answer. And we turn to Christ, and I believe that all of those who are truly his will come to Christ then in faith and in repentance from sin, and there will be a change in their life. Now, that doesn't mean that we're perfect, and it doesn't mean that from that day on everything will be roses, and we're going to see that today because Paul, even the Apostle Paul is going to say, that there's plenty of tribulations and, and trials and things that we have to go through even when we're holding to our calling. So now we'll begin there uh, in verse 11 where he says, Whereunto am I appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. And we're going to start with that phrase. So just to give kind of an overview, I, we're going to look at four things this morning. And the title's rather lengthy for those of you who are taking notes and i apologize for that i worked really hard on it i just couldn't condense it down so the title is ministry and then four sub subheadings ministry duty trust truth and community duty trust truth and community so he begins with this idea of ministry so our first point is appointed to ministry and then kind of the sub answer to that is in our title, duty. So Paul had a duty. He was appointed to, you know, in the military, uh, you go in the military, you join up, and you sign the thing, and then you flip that card on the back. You know what it says? It says, property of the United States of America. Isn't that amazing? You know, so when you sign up for the military, you become the government's property. Well, Paul, on the road to Damascus, he, something happened to Paul. Paul was not going to Jesus, was he? Was Paul on the way to, was he, reach, was he a seeker? You know, was, was Paul a seeker of Jesus Christ? No, he was actually going to persecute the church, and he got knocked flat. And, and then uh, through the ministry of, of another, God uh, gave Paul a commission. So Paul is knocked flat on the road. He's blinded. He can't even see. And then Ananias says, guess what? There's a, there's a commission for you. You've been called to be the apostle to the Gentiles. And so he has a commission. So he's been appointed to ministry. Paul has a duty. So uh, that, that word there in, in the text where it says, whereunto I'm appointed a preacher, 
the literal translation of that is a divine commission. I was appointed by God. I was given a divine commission. Now, that sounds pretty important, doesn't it? Um, and so there's kind of two ways that I want us to look at this today. Number one, um, there's a couple of us in here who are called to ministry just as he was appointed. And I think that is absolutely the specific meaning of this text. Paul was called to be a preacher. And so one of the first first little you know, easy things we can gain from this is that's how God calls the ministry. God calls the ministry. It's an appointment by God. And it's recognized by the church. So it's, the, it's God that calls, and then that calling is recognized and affirmed by the church. So Paul says he was appointed. So, but, but if you think, well, there's only two preachers in here, so this first point's really just for them, and I can ignore it till we get to point two. Did you know that everybody in here has a calling? Right. And everybody in here has a ministry? And we can absolutely take this text in that way as, as well. You have a duty. If you're a child of God who's a born-again believer, then you have Christian duty. You have things that God wants you to be about. Did you know the Great Commission wasn't just to pastors? That it was to the church? Our, our local church, what we're to be about is spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's not just the ministry. It's all of us. So we have a calling. We're appointed to ministry. So Paul said in, in some other places, in Colossians 1, 23. Uh, let's turn there. Colossians 1 and verse 23. He says... If you continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. So Paul was appointed by God. He was made by God to be a minister of the gospel. Uh, he also said um, in later on in this very uh, book he said some things about it which we'll get to that in a minute but in 1 Corinthians 9 and we don't have to turn there in 1 Corinthians 9 he basically says this he says don't look at me don't, don't commend me don't, don't exalt me because I was appointed to do this work and then in verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 9 27 he says that he has this fear and one of Paul's greatest fear is that he would become a castaway that he wouldn't be useful in the ministry that God had called him to uh, and so I think that's a good, um, a good thing for us to think about as well. We're all appointed to a ministry, some of us in a very specific way, some in a more general way. But Paul was appointed, and he says three things that he was appointed to. It's really interesting. Let's look at that uh, back in our text there uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 1. He, he talks about three things that he's appointed to. For the which cause I also suffer these things... Uh, Nope, I'm, I'm on chapter, I'm on verse 12. Verse 11, whereunto am I appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. So he was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. So I think it's just good for us to say, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, Paul was appointed a preacher. Do we still have preachers today? Yes, yes absolutely. I think that's, that's a very important thing that God still calls. And I want to say this, too. I'm, I'm a little concerned, absolutely, about the kingdom of God and, and God calling young ministry today. Um, I, I don't see a lot among our people of young ministers being called, and that's, that's concerning. Um, so we want to be sensitive to God's call. For those um, who are younger and who might feel that call, be sensitive to that and be sensitive that God may call you uh, to, to serve in his kingdom. But he's appointed a preacher. Now, secondly, he says... 
an apostle. Now, do we have apostles today? The answer to that is no. <laughs> we have some people who claim to be an apostle, uh, but they're not apostles. Um, there, are, there are those who claim that that's still a real office in the church, and that's something that can, can be done today, and we don't believe that. In fact, even Paul himself was an apostle out of due season. So you had the 12, and then Judas falls away, and then there's another chosen, remember, in the first part of Acts. Isn't it interesting how they did that? Does that ever just kind of popped out to you? You know, you wouldn't think uh, that you know, casting lots, <laughs> that's just an interesting way, but God directed that. And so they cast lots, and the lot fell, and that was the, the 12th apostle. But then out of due season, then Paul is called to be an apostle. Here's something that's, that's very important, though. Paul, on the road to Damascus that we've already talked about, he came face-to-face -face with Jesus Christ. He was an eyewitness of Jesus Christ, and he was called by Jesus Christ himself personally uh, to be an apostle. So he had apostolic authority. And that's, that's very important when we're reading this text this morning because in a little bit we're going to talk a little bit more about Timothy because remember, context is always important in the Scripture. What is this letter? This is a letter to a young minister. And so what Paul is doing here is he's talking to Timothy and he's saying, um, I was appointed to be a preacher and an apostle and a teacher, and I'm wanting you to hold this line. I'm wanting you to understand your calling. I'm wanting you to uh, understand that you're appointed to ministry, and you have duty as well, Timothy, because like we've already talked about, Timothy was a little bit more introverted, a little shy, a little, um, he wasn't kind of as bold as he probably should have been. So Paul's trying to strengthen Timothy, and so he's going <coughs> to remind him in this first part of our text that he's appointed to ministry he's appointed to a duty and and paul has authority in that because he's an apostle uh, timothy doesn't have that same authority that paul had because he's not an apostle but but paul was and he opens many of his letters saying that as well paul an apostle of jesus christ so he had this divine commission and then last it says a teacher i think we kind of um we, we confuse this sometimes um say oh well you know that person's not a preacher they're a teacher those are really the same thing should be at least preacher and a teacher is the same thing what a preacher should be doing is teaching you the word of god the farther they get from the word of god the more you don't need to listen to them okay preaching is not a oratory type of of style or something preaching is taking the word of god and expounding it to god's people now that can be done in a lot of different ways but it is teaching in its very essence it is teaching if it's not teaching we've got a big problem because then it's a motivational speech or it's a feel-good thing. Uh, uh, preaching that is not taking God's word and expounding it is not good preaching. <laughs> so uh, you need to stay away from that. Um, if, if somebody ever comes to you and they have a lot of their own ideas that they can't back up with Scripture or don't back up with Scripture, don't listen to that very much. <laughs> Just uh, We're to prove that by going. And how are we to prove it? We're to go to God's word. So um, Paul says he's also a teacher. He just kind of says it in a different way on that second time. A teacher... Uh, speaks about kind of the content that Paul uh, preaches, which is the word of God. He says, that's my duty, that's my calling. That's, and then he says in verse 12, for this reason I also suffer. So when we talk about this calling as a duty, you know, if you serve God, if you find out what your calling is, it may not be to preach, it may be to um, serve in some other way but if you find out what your calling is and you begin to do that Paul says there's probably going to be some consequences for that there, he said for this cause I also suffer in other words 
the fact that I'm called to ministry, that I'm called to, and I'm appointed to be a preacher, has cost me suffering. So let's just think about the life of Paul. What happened in the life of Paul? Paul was a pretty important guy, right? He was way up here. He was, you know, Pharisee of the Pharisee. He was, man, he was, he was in the high religious circles. He was traveling around, um, doing the bidding of people. He was kind of a man of importance. And he wasn't getting beaten, right? <laughs> he wasn't getting um, ostracized. He wasn't getting cast out of cities. And then he started serving the Lord. And then he started following Jesus Christ. Christ made him a preacher. Did everything get better for Paul in a worldly sense? No. He began to be beaten for what he said. He began to be cast out of cities. He was jailed. He was shipwrecked. I mean, you think of all the things that Paul went through, and you say, well, wow. Well, that's, that's Christian duty. That's what duty is about. Sometimes it's not all roses. Sometimes um, we have to fall back on the fact that it's our duty. When it's not pleasant, it's still duty. And there's nothing wrong with that to look at it in that way. Now, we don't need to isolate that, and that's why he does. there's, there's a whole lot more to this message that we'll get to. <laughs> because there's a lot of good news in that as well. But Paul says, this is my duty, and because of my duty, because of what I've been called to do, um, I suffer for that. I bear, uh, in Galatians 6, he said, I bear in my body the marks of Jesus Christ um, because of his faithfulness to serve. So isn't that amazing that uh, he even bears in his body the marks, that he's been beaten with rods, he's been whipped, he's been jailed, he's been in dungeons. And as he's writing this letter, where is Paul? Paul is in prison, and he's awaiting his own death. And he knows it's coming. He's going to tell us that later in this letter. He's going to say, I I know what's about to happen. And so Paul can can absolutely say, I'm suffering because of the gospel. But he sees that more as a badge of honor than as a thing to be ashamed of. And so remember, our big point in this chapter is, Paul is going back to, don't be afraid, Timothy. Don't be ashamed, Timothy. He said, look, I've been beaten and thrown out of cities, and I'm in jail right now, and I'm going to be executed. And yet, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of anything that I've said or done because it's my calling. God called me to to do this and to say this. And so I can go through all of these things knowing that it's the calling of God on my life. Um. I love this quote. I'm just going to read it to you. It's good. I, I, I won't even try to reword it. Um, there is no evil that can bring such great retribution to the mind of man as the evil of a duty undone. And there is no joy that is greater than a duty fulfilled. Now, that's, that's a pretty amazing quote. Let me say it one more time. It's kind of hard to follow in that language. There is no evil that can bring such great retribution to the mind of man as the evil of a duty undone. And there is no joy that is greater than a duty fulfilled. So just a a real easy example of this would be, what do you think goes on in the mind of a deserter during war? My brothers are dependent on me, you know, and then I desert them. I I leave, and, and they pay the ultimate price. Can you imagine what goes on the mind of that person who deserted? who went away from their duty, who didn't follow through on what they had said they would do and what they were called to do. Well, it's that way with Paul. Paul says, I know my calling. I know I'm appointed by God to do something, and that's, that's of utmost importance to me. I want to be faithful to that calling. I want to be faithful to what God has called me to do. And there's no greater joy than a duty fulfilled. So Paul finds his joy in fulfilling this calling that God has called him to. So like we said, and I'll just close with this in a very practical way, um, 
what there's certain things that God's called all of us to do, and then there's certain things that God calls only if only some to do. And, and some of those, the only offices that, that we recognize in the New Testament church is the office of elder and the office of deacon. And those are specific callings. And, and God calls men to do those things. And we believe that calling is for men only. <laughs> um, the, it is amazing to me what is being compromised on in our day in that, in that way. Where you have um, not just women in ministry anymore, but, but homosexual ministry. And, and all kinds of things are being accepted. The Bible is very crystal clear, and I would love to go and go to all those passages. And maybe we'll do that on a Wednesday night one night. Um, but God is very specific in his calling to men into the ministry and, and how that's to be done and what kind of men are to do that. Um, it's a very humbling thing, I will tell you that. Um, a friend of mine right now who uh, works for me, his church is in the process of recognizing him as an elder in the church. And so he's going through that process, and they're working with him and saying, he keeps coming to my office and saying, I'm, I, just, I just don't even need to do that. I'm just not worthy. And I said, you're right. You know, you're right. <laughs> that's good news <laughs> i'm glad you're saying that because if you weren't they don't need to call you but i mean he just keeps coming in time after time so i wish they would just leave me alone i just, I just wish i could just go back to being a regular church member uh, because i'm just not worthy of this I'm, and i you're right you're absolutely right you're not worthy of it so it's not called because of worthiness it's called to serve and and uh, no one is worthy of it but he qualifies the call so a lot there that we're kind of leaving on the table maybe we'll come back to that another time so paul says he's appointed he has an, a calling i'm appointed a preacher an apostle and a teacher of the gentiles now next um, he says in verse 12 for the which cause i also suffer these things nevertheless i am not ashamed for i know whom i have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which i've committed unto him against that day so our second point is trust in jesus christ trust in jesus christ so in our title this is the part that we called trust now you might say well the real point of that verse is that he says i'm not ashamed well that's the point of the whole chapter we've already talked about that quite a bit so what we're going to focus in on is the last part of that verse paul says nevertheless i'm not ashamed for i know whom i have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. So how can Paul be so certain? And how can Paul be so duty-minded? And how can Paul go through all the things that Paul's going through because of his ministry? How can Paul get through that? He says that in this passage. For I know whom I have believed. Let's just take that part of the statement first. For I know whom I have believed. What a beautiful truth that is did you know that paul knew jesus christ in a very personal way and did you know that it's, it's amazing that we can know jesus christ in a very personal way more we can know him closer than we can even know some of the people that we see on a daily basis um, he reveals himself to us in that way when he comes to us so paul knew jesus christ he says for i know whom i have believed I know firsthand, I know personally the Lord. And so I, there's an intimacy there that is real. And, and this, is, this is not a blind faith that Paul has. And did you know that the Christian faith is not a blind faith? It's not a blind faith. We, we know Jesus Christ in a way that is real. It's not a blind hope in something that we hope comes true one day. 
If you know Jesus Christ, you know Jesus Christ. And Paul says, I know whom I have believed. Paul didn't believe in a religious set or structure. Paul didn't believe in a denomination. Paul didn't believe in a set of theology. Did you know that? Paul says when it comes down to it, what makes me keep going, what makes me not ashamed is not the doctrines that I believe. It's not this, and and we're going to, I promise, we'll get there in just a second. So don't think doctrine is not important because that's the next point. But when Paul is, when it, when it all hits the, the ground and Paul says, look, here's why I'm not ashamed. Here's why I can go forward in ministry. Here's why that I can do all the things that I do and get thrown in jail and all of those things and keep going is because I know Jesus Christ. I really know him. I know him in a personal way. There's an intimacy there between me and Jesus Christ. So all of these people who claim that, you know, there's, a million different ways to heaven or you know you can go through another religion or things like that paul wouldn't have been okay with that doctrine at all paul said i believe in jesus christ i know jesus christ and the reason i cannot be ashamed remember the first part of, of verse 12 for the which cause i also suffer these things nevertheless i'm not ashamed for i know whom i have believed and that's literally uh, the lord jesus christ i know him by personal experience and observation he's the one that i have trusted so um, like we said it's not in what he believed is theology important yes and we're going to get to that in a minute that's important what you believe is important but who you believe is more important (laughs) and i think paul makes that very crystal clear here Uh, the the way that he structures this passage to timothy is not by accident he first talks about who he believes then he talks about what he believes, and then he talks about who he hangs around, okay, in that order. Isn't that interesting? He says, first, I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed. Then he talks about truth. He says, there's some truth, Timothy, that I've passed on to you that I want you to pass on to others. And he says, and by the way, there's kind of two groups of people here. There's those who accept it and those who reject it. You need to hang around the people who accept it. That's who you need to surround yourself with. So I just preached my whole sermon. So we can stop now and stop the recording and go on, but we're going to go unpack those things a little bit in a minute. Uh, but, but really, Paul says, I believe in Jesus Christ and, and in him personally. And then the second part of that, he says, not only do I believe in Jesus, uh, and, and let me get the exact wording here, for I know whom I have believed, but he doesn't stop there, and am persuaded. That's a very strong word in the original text. That persuaded means that he has, because of the past, He has been persuaded, and he is continually being persuaded over and over and over again. It's an ongoing thing in Paul's life. Uh, Paul is persuaded that Jesus Christ is is God and is the Lord, and he's continually being persuaded that Jesus is Lord. It's something that's ongoing in his life. So, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. Now, I'll tell you, John Gill says, okay, what is this that Paul's committed to him? So John Gill says it's the souls that Paul was used as an instrument to convert, that he's committed those souls to the Lord, and that's what he's talking about. I'm not saying that's wrong, but I'm saying it's incomplete in my view. (laughs) What I think Paul is saying here is I've committed it all. Anything about me, my life, everything that's in me, anything that there is, I've committed it all to Jesus Christ. I have, and, and, and excuse me for talking about gambling out of the pulpit, but he bet the farm. Okay, <laughs> Paul said, I'm, I'm not hedging my bets. I'm not, I am fully persuaded that Jesus Christ is the answer, that he's God. He is the Lord. He is who he said he was. 
He is the Lord. He's the Savior. And if I have any hope, it's in Jesus Christ. I'm not, I'm not trying to look in anywhere else. I'm fully persuaded that He is able to keep that which I've committed unto Him against that day. What an amazing thing um, that, that Paul says there, that he is fully persuaded. Because of his intimate observation, his personal relationship, he says... I am committed to Jesus Christ, and I know those things that I've committed to him. He's able to keep it. So the, the other part of that is it's an ability, right? He, he's talking about ability here. Jesus Christ can keep that which I've committed to him. He's able to do it. He has the power to do it. So in the original language, the language there says that he doesn't lack power. So I know that he has the ability uh, to keep those things which I've committed to him against that day what an amazing thought um jesus christ is god god is the creator of all things there is nothing that's hidden to him there's nothing that he cannot do he accomplishes his will where among the armies of heaven and, and the inhabitants of the earth there is nothing that god wants to do that he does not accomplish that's so important to remember and so because of that, he says, I can fully commit myself, all that I am, everything, all my hope, all my trust, all my faith to Jesus Christ because he's able. And he will keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. So Paul said, I believe in the God out of whose hands I cannot be plucked. John 10. You remember that? He says, it's an amazing picture there where, where he says, your hand is in my hand. So Jesus says, your hand's in my hand. And then my hand's in the Father's hand. That sounds pretty protected, doesn't it? <laughs> that Jesus Christ who made the whole earth has your hand. And his Father in heaven who gives him freely all things, his hand is in his hand. That's pretty secure. So we are secure in him. He says, this is a secure place. Um, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. He that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. There is a security there that can't be found in anything else so Paul says I'm willing to go and to give my life and to abandon my life to the cause of Christ because I trust him that he is able uh, to keep everything that I commit to him uh, to that to that day and he talks about this last day multiple times what day is he talking about he's talking about the day when all things are going to be wrapped up brother Jeff talked to us the other day about the judge did you know that there's going to be coming a judgment and Paul says, I am 100% satisfied, persuaded. I believe 100% that when it comes to that judgment, that I can, I can stay faithful to Jesus Christ. I can believe in Jesus Christ that, that I'm going to be judged according to him in that day. That I don't have to worry about all these other things. That I trust the judge. I, I'm fully committing myself to him and he will judge righteously. Um, what an amazing show of faith that is from the Apostle Paul. And remember, what he's doing is he's writing us this to say... To Timothy, Timothy, you can too. <laughs> you can trust it all to Jesus Christ. Timothy, don't be afraid. Go back to verse 7. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. He's just kind of unpacking that, Timothy. He's saying all of that is focused on the person and work of Jesus Christ, uh, that, that I believe in him. and It's in him, not in all of these other things, but in Jesus Christ himself. And I know that he's able to keep those things uh, that I've committed unto him against that day. Now, I told you we would unpack some other stuff, so we're going to do that. The third thing, going back to our text, is to hold to sound doctrine. Hold to 
sound doctrine. And this in our title is what we titled truth. So you have, <clears throat> you have um, first that he was talking about being appointed, being called to ministry. Secondly, who it is that we believe in and that we can trust Jesus Christ, the person and work of Jesus Christ. And then third, he says, truth is also important. Hold fast, and this is verse 13, hold fast the form of sound words or truth, which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Jesus Christ. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost, which dwelleth in us. So he's saying, there's some things that I've taught you, Timothy. I want you to hold those things. Don't let them slip. And not only that, I want you to pass them on to other people. I want you to keep them, and then I want you to share them with others. I think that's a, a really important thing for us to understand. You know, every generation has its battles, and sometimes I think we forget. You know, we, we get caught up in the struggles of our day and the questions of our day about doctrine and truth and practice and all of those things. And we were talking about this recently, and I was reminded of Rebecca's granddaddy, Brother uh, Jerry Hunt Sr., you know, we're so concerned about the battles of our day, someday we forget, sometimes we forget that they had battles that we wouldn't even imagine. So his big battle when he first started his ministry was he went around teaching that, that churches should meet every Sunday <laughs> and that pastors should pastor that church. <laughs> because in that day, the Primitive Baptist churches, they were having one service a month and there was about four churches in that area. And this one had first Sunday and this one had second Sunday and that one had third and that one had fourth and one pastor went around to all four churches. And he just said, that's not right. You just need to meet every Sunday. And that was a battle that he had to fight. Well, that's almost, I mean, I just can't believe that. It's just really, that was, that was an issue. Um, there used to be an issue in some churches about bringing your Bible to church. Can you imagine that? If you brought your Bible to church, you were thinking you were a preacher. You know, well, no, you were wanting to follow along with the preacher. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that was a battle that they had to fight. So there's, there's always battles in different generations and, and different uh, doctrines that become, you know, um, things that we question. But isn't it important for us to make sure that we do hold those things that are passed down from generation to generation that are the truth? It's very important to not let those things slip. Affirm your doctrine uh, is very important. So when I said earlier that, that Paul said, look, you know, I trust in Jesus Christ. I don't trust the doctrine. I don't trust this. It's not that he's saying doctrine is not important because the very next thing he says is, Timothy, by the way, hold fast to those things that I told you. It's important, uh, and you need to do this. So what a wonderful thing it is to be passed down the truth. I, I'm very grateful to be raised in the church that I was raised in and hear doctrinal truth preached out of the pulpit. I was raised at Grace Chapel. Not only did I hear it preached out of the pulpit, but we came down every Wednesday to the front and Brother Zach taught us out of the catechism, and then he taught us out of a uh, Bible study book, and then, you know, just uh, was raised uh, hearing those things and being passed on those things which are true. And, and I'm very grateful for that. And, and for those of you who haven't, that's, that's not a hindrance. God can, he can catch up real quick. And then when you know the truth, you hold to it. And so how do we judge that? Well, he, he gives us an, uh, an idea that he says, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou have heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus, that good thing which was committed unto thee, keep, how? By the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. So the Spirit dwells in us, and he helps, he guides us into truth. So if we're seeking truth, if we honestly will seek it, 
and we'll pray about it and we'll seek it and, and, and trust the Holy Ghost that's in us. He'll lead us into truth. And truth is very important. Um, you know, our, our uh, well, let me, let me share this first before I get into that. There's a, another quote I want to read to you, and I, I think it's, it's interesting. It really kind of stepped on my toes a little bit. He says, the reason most people don't have the courage of their convictions is because they don't have convictions. So before you can put your life on the line for what you believe, you have to actually believe it. That's kind of steps on your toes a little bit, isn't it? So in other words, if you're not being challenged in what you believe, it may be because you don't believe it real strong. <laughs> because the more you believe it, the more bold you'll be about it. And, and then people will question it, and then that's where the rubber meets the road. So it may be that maybe you don't have really strong convictions. If you're not being challenged in your convictions, maybe it's because you don't have really strong convictions. That one kind of stepped on my toes a little bit because what it did for me is it made me think, okay, there are some things that I've got really strong convictions about because I do get challenged on them a lot. There's also some things that I should have strong convictions about that I don't and I need to work on. So uh, that's what that did for me. But truth, and and I do want to say this too, when we talk about truth in the Primitive Baptist Church, are we talking about five points of theology? Is that what we mean? I hope not. No. I hope it's way more than that. Amen. Those things are important. They're very important. Um, that's, that's the soteriology that we believe. But we, we believe a whole lot more truth than just that. The truth of the Bible is not five points of soteriology. It is the truth about who Jesus Christ is, about creation, about the Bible about the Trinity, all of those things. And there's a lot of these things that we agree with all other Christians on. Did you know that if you don't believe in the Trinity, you're not a Christian at all? You're just not a Christian. If you don't believe in the Trinity, you're not a Christian. So some people will claim to be Christians. They're really not. But there are some things that we just all believe. And then we have doctrines that we sometimes don't agree with. Or one church has one way, one church has another. And so those things, that becomes difficult. Even among churches, did you know that it's possible to have disagreements about certain things? Um, There's certain things that probably if me and Brother uh, Jeff and Brother Nathan all sat down and we went far enough, we'd find some stuff we didn't agree on. (laughs) And that's perfectly okay. But then there are some things that truth that is clearly revealed in the Bible that we all have to stand on and we all have to be firm on. And I believe that's what Paul's talking about here. Those things that are most clearly revealed. He said, Timothy, you've heard them from me. Hold them. Don't let them slip. Because what happens is the world is going to do everything they can to make you compromise those things. I don't think the devil's tactic, <coughs> let's just take one area of truth. I'm just trying to pick one. Let's say, um, um, let's say the, the inspiration of Scripture. Let's just take that one. That's, that's a pretty common one, okay? So we believe in the inspiration of Scripture. I don't think that Satan's going to come to you by way of compromise and say, you need to believe that the Bible's a lie right that's the direct contradiction what he will do is he'll take one little passage and say is that really true it's just that part i mean i know the whole rest of it's true but is that really true he starts with a small amount a small compromise so he doesn't say throw everything out but how satan gets inroads is one small thing let's let's question this let's let's uh let's have a different view of this let's 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 modulate that that's a harsh doctrine okay um how many sermons in America do you think are happening this morning in pulpits, this morning in the church, that are really about sin itself and about convicting and sin? How many of those sermons are preached nowadays? Not very many. Not very many. People don't want to do that because then people are going to leave your church and they're going to go to the church down the road that says every day is a Friday. 
That's the kind of message people want to hear. Well, what does the Bible say about that? It says in the, in the last times, what's going to happen? People are going to heap to themselves teachers that they have itching ears, and they're, they're going to want to hear just the, just the good news, just the good stuff, just what makes me feel good. Well, that's not the truth. So truth sometimes is confrontational, but how Satan gets to us and why he's telling Timothy you have to guard the truth is because it's small things. It's small things. It's small things. And those small things add up, and in a generation or two, the truth is lost. I'll never forget um, <coughs> Jerry Hunt Jr. preached at Grace Chapel's meeting one year, and, and what he preached about was that the truth can be lost in one generation. That's all it takes. Boy, that, that, I'm just telling you, I was a teenager when he preached that, and it got, it got to me. I thought, not on my watch. You know, I got fired up about it. Not on my watch. Let, let's don't let that happen. That's too important. Well, um, to do that, we have to be powered by the Holy Spirit. It's not something we can do in and of ourselves. We can't even see spiritual truth without the Holy Spirit. Do you know that? You wouldn't even know what the truth is. Right. So we have to depend on the Holy Spirit, and Paul says that in this text. But he says it, it does need to be in the forefront of our mind. Courage in ministry comes because we have strong convictions. So strong convictions are not a bad thing, but we have to depend on the Spirit of God for the power to follow through on that. If we try to do it in of our own selves, uh, we'll, we'll make a mistake there. And then also, I think it's important to say, uh, when we go back to our text too, he says, <clears throat> that good thing that was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. Uh, no, back in the, the first part, in verse 13 which hath heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. So if we know the truth, we're sharing the truth with others, is there any particular way that we're to do that? <laughs> the Bible's very clear on that. We're to do that in love. We're not, to, we're not to be beating people over the head with what we believe the truth is. That's not a Christian thing to do. He says to do it in love. And, of course, um, we all know the text uh, that, that you know would be quoted in this, speak the truth in love. We're to have love in the way that we share the truth. We're to hold the truth. That's very important, but we're to do that in love. We're to approach people with love when we do that as well. So I think it's very important. Um, last thing I'll share on this point is it's the church's responsibility for us to hold to that articles of faith that's hanging up in our lobby. Do you know that? It's not just me and Brother Nathan and Brother Jeff. Um, and if you've got questions, of course, you come to us and we all get in the Bible. But it's our church's responsibility to hold that truth for the next generation. And then it's that generation's truth to hold it for the next generation. Those things are extremely important. That's why we included them in our articles of faith. We're saying this is what we're about. This is who we are. This is what we believe. Those articles of faith say real simple things like we believe in the Trinity we believe in the inspiration of Scripture and even things that are more doctrinal, like we believe in irresistible grace. We believe in election. So it's a, it's a summary of all the things that we believe, but it's the church's responsibility to hold that. So you need to study the Bible. Amen. When we preach, you need to study and say, yes, I, I affirm that. The Holy Spirit affirms that in me. I see that in the Scriptures. What, what's being said is the truth. I've been in places where that had to be spoken out. You know, people had to say, now, wait a minute, hold on a second. That's not true. Uh, what was preached, that, that, there was something wrong with that. Or the way you said that, this is what I thought you meant, and nope, that's not what you meant. This is what you meant. Um, but that's, I would, it would please me so much for somebody to come up after you. It would not be offensive to me at all for somebody to come after a church and say, now, wait a minute. Um, you, you were preaching and you said this, and I want to understand that more. Well, you know, what, what did you mean by that? That wouldn't offend me at all. I would say, 
man, somebody's listening. That's, that's wonderful. <laughs> that's, or if you went home and studied it and came back the next Sunday and said, hey, I was reading some things about what you said, and here's what I'm seeing. You know, I would, I would love for that to happen. I think we need to be like the Bereans, and we need to study the Scriptures. It is the, the church's responsibility to guard the truth. So he is, he is telling Timothy, hold those things that you've heard from me. Once again, that's part of this passage where Paul's apostolic authority is important. Because you know what Paul passed to him had apostolic authority. And so now we don't have apostles anymore. What do we have? We have the word of God. We have our Bible. And that's, that's extremely important. So our rule of faith and practice is not what Brother Nathan says. Our rule of faith and practice is not what I say. And it's not what Brother Jeff teaches. It's the word of God itself. Amen. That's the authority. Anything that's outside of that authority is our opinion. And you can take it or leave it. And I promise you, I believe that. Uh, you can take it or leave it. So in this day, Timothy, it was the what Paul had spoken to him. It had apostolic authority. In our day, it's the word of God that we have preserved for us. Now, last, and we'll close here. He says, basically, be careful about the company that you keep. That's the title of our fourth point. Be careful about the company that you keep. In our title, we called this community community is also important if we want to fulfill the calling that god has on our life and do it without fear and, and without being ashamed he says it's important the company that you keep so i'm not going to read that whole passage again but in verses 15 through 18 he talks about these certain people and he says you know that and, and this is an amazing statement all they that which are in asia be turned away from me that's a, that's a big statement, right? Paul says, all these people, well, once I became in prison, they turned away from me. They were ashamed of me. They didn't want to hear from me anymore. They, they turned away. And he names two specifically. And because this letter is to Timothy, I believe the ones that he names out loud in this, both on the positive and the negative, are people that Timothy would have known. So Timothy would have said, oh, I know, I know who you're talking about. So he names two of these people. So... How this, this part fits in is that if you're going to not be ashamed of the gospel and you're going to fulfill the calling that God's put on your life and you're going to fully trust Jesus Christ um, uh, like we've talked about and you're going to uh, fulfill that calling that's in your life and you're going to hold to the truth, then the company that you keep is very important because uh, there's people who are going to swerve um, out of the way. They're going to go off the path. They're going to compromise. They're going to... Uh, do things that you don't need to do. Um, 1 Corinthians 15.33, bad company corrupts good morals. Um, that statement, I, I can't say that enough to young people. Um, I have a situation going on right now. I've been working on the last two weeks in my school, really sad situation where two really good kids from really good families. And so basically what's happened in this situation is one of them has really gotten off the path. And these two are best friends. So one of them has really just started gotten into some drinking, going places they're not supposed to go, doing things they're not supposed to do. And the sad thing is this best friend went along. Now, she didn't drink, but she was there. <laughs> she didn't partake, but she was there. The, the friend, so what's happened there is the friend has drug her into a place she doesn't want to be. But when I talked to both of them, guess what I said? <laughs> You both are here. <laughs> That's not a good thing. You need, if, if she's going to go here, you need to separate. You need to be over here. So isn't it interesting? Paul says there's two groups here. Here's the first one. These people have all turned away from me. They have turned away from the truth. They have gone in a different path. They have abandoned me is what the, the word literally means there. 
uh, when he says it there in verse 15. But I'm, I'm glad he didn't just talk about that. Have you ever been in a place where people have turned away from you over truth, over an issue that you've stood up on? Is that an easy thing? When you said, you know what, this is the right thing and I'm standing on it. And I've been in, in churches where that happened, where people had to say, you know what, this is the truth. It's the right. And I'm going to stand on it. And if I have to go, I have to go. If I have to leave, you know, whatever has to happen to me. And so he's, once again, you got to remember, what's the point of this whole chapter? This is Paul encouraging Timothy to be bold and be willing to stand on truth. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't, be, don't worry about the consequences. Trust Jesus Christ. Trust the judge. You remember he said, Timothy, I'm telling you, I've committed it all to Jesus Christ, and I'm convinced, I'm persuaded that he's able to keep it against that day. So, Timothy, don't be afraid of this. There are those who are going to go a different direction. They're going to abandon. They're going to talk about you. Um, choosing your associates is a, an extremely important, important thing. Uh, it made me think about my time in junior college. Um, when I got out of high school, I went to Northeast Community College right over here. And at that time in my life, just for me personally, it was also a time when I was questioning a lot of things. Um, I was like basically saying, you know, well, I believe the Primitive Baptist doctrine, but I also believe we ought to be sharing the gospel. And I believe there's a lot of these other things that ought to be going on too that I don't see going on in our church. So I was questioning a lot of things. And so I go over there, well, I meet all these really good Christian people. And we're, I mean, every day we're together, we're, we're praying together, we're studying the Bible together. We're asking questions, and, and it became a really close-knit, and I'm, I'm still friends with these people today. I still talk to them all the time. And the amazing thing is, every time I talk to them, one of the first questions they usually ask are, how are you doing? How, how's your church doing? How are you doing spiritually? It's still that way to this day. Um, so it was a, a very, very, um, probably one of the, the most spiritual times of my life was during those two years. And it's, a lot of that was because of the company that I was keeping now. I can also tell you about times in my life when that wasn't the case, when I was around the wrong kind of people, and it, it made me feel miserable. And it's amazing how we tolerate that. Did you know that? We do that. We just tolerate it. We, we put ourselves around negative people and those who are pulling us in the wrong direction, and we tolerate it. So the positive and the negative he's talking about, I've experienced it personally in my life. And I'm telling you, the more we focus on being around, and that's what's the importance of the church as well. Did you know that this church is a community of believers? We are ourselves supposed to be a community of believers. We're supposed to build each other up, not tear each other down. Uh, this is an edifying body. We're to be an encouragement to one another, not lead each other down a path that's wrong. Um, so uh, that, that is one of the most important ways that we do that is by being part of a local church. But then he, he tells them about the bad. He also tells them about the good. Uh, the bad company, he says... Are, are these guys, these two guys, and he says basically everybody in Asia abandoned him, and he said there's these two guys, and you're aware of them, Timothy, and, and what they did. But then I'm glad he didn't leave it there. He also gave him the good. He said there's this guy, uh, Onesephorus, who is, he refreshed me. He was not ashamed of my bonds. He was not ashamed to associate himself with me just because I was being persecuted for the truth. Um, that's, I've, I've, experience that in my life as well that's tough that's a hard place to be when you feel like i've stood on truth and and here's why i did it and then people are ashamed to associate with you because you're the talk of the town right that happens it'll happen to christians let that let that never be said about our church if, if we're going through something let's stand behind each other 
And, and he says, this is a guy who was a stand-up guy. <laughs> That's the way I would word it. Paul is telling Timothy, this is a guy you can depend on. These are the kind of people you want to associate yourself with. These are the kind of people that you want to surround yourself with. Um, one of the biggest pains of ministry of any kind is disloyal people, that when the going gets tough, they get critical, they get, they get picky, you know, they start picking you apart. Brother Nathan always calls it the sad truth that Christians are only people that shoot their wounded. You know, it's true. It is true. Uh, are people in this church going to struggle with things? Absolutely. So what are we going to do? Are we going to come alongside them? Are we going to do what um, Onesephorus and his family did? Are we going to try to support and come alongside and, and be a support to those people? Or are we going to do like the people in Asia? And he says, and they just, they just separated. And that was over something that was righteous, not even a real problem. So he says, the company you keep, Timothy, is extremely important. Be aware of it. Uh, in your life and in your ministry, and that will serve you well. And I would say, like I said, especially for young people, but guess what? It's true for us as adults as well. Did you know that we can start adult friendships that are not healthy to us, <laughs> that are not something that leads us in, in the right path, and in, in a righteous path that can lead us out of the righteous path? That's absolutely true for us as well, even in, into adulthood. So just to sum up, Paul says he's appointed to ministry. He has a duty that he's trying to fulfill. And that his full trust is in Jesus Christ. He trusts him fully and he's persuaded that Jesus is going to keep that uh, which he's committed to him against that day. He tells Timothy to hold to sound doctrine. That which I've told you, hold uh, for the next generation. Share it with others. Hold fast to it. Don't let it slip. Don't let it be compromised. And then lastly, be careful the company that you keep. Uh, ministry is a tough thing. Uh, doing ministry is hard. It's not easy. And so Paul has given us all these things here that we can overcome and not be ashamed and not be fearful in our ministry. I hope and pray that God would give us opportunities to minister and that when we do that, we would feel a sense of duty, of trust in Jesus Christ, of truth in what we believe, and a community of believers that support us in doing that. I hope those things have been a blessing to you today.